is a god of the game. Chelsea are the champions. Welcome everyone to our season review part 1. Yes, we are doing it in two parts. So many things to talk about. Football fans from Manchester are confused whether to feel sorry for their team or to feel happy that the other one screwed up too. Should we start saying Makelele played in the Kanté role from now on? Emery's binging choices, managerial merry-go-rounds. Woo! This is just part 1 guys. Let's go. Hey guys, we talked a lot about this season. We talked how great was the season, how unique was the season, and this season was going to be the pivotal point for many of the clubs. In fact, in football in general. So usually every season has game of the season, player of the season, goal of the season. This season we also have a word of the season, and the word is overthinking. <laughs> Hey, hello everyone. Welcome to our final episode of the league season, not the overall season. We still got a lot of football left and also a lot of other sports to cover. I am Bala with our beloved Ishan aka Bhavishyawani aka Dhirkadarsi aka Nostradamus. <laughs> hello guys. Guys, uh, before getting into the episode, uh we'll quickly want to thank all our subscribers, the regular listeners. Thank you. Thank you all for your love. Uh Also wanted to do a two-part episode, so we are going to cover a season review into two different parts. This is, let's say, this is part one, where we are going to cover EPL, and obviously we are going to cover the Champions League and Europa League finals. So watch out for the next episode also, because there we will cover all the other leagues other than EPL. So once again, uh, I can't thank you enough. We can't thank you enough for all the love you have been. uh showing all the feedbacks all the messages that you have been sharing with us so thank you very much and uh, for those who are ready to listen so buckle up guys this is going to be a fun ride so we are going to start with the word as we were talking about overthinking uh, when we were doing our predictions last episode ishan said for chelsea to win four things need to happen well two did happen and two almost happened so ishan can you let our listeners explain what did you predict what did you say and what all happened uh i think the first thing that i said that would mean would need to happen is pep guardiola to be his usual self to overthink in big games and switch up his side when you least expect him to do and I suggested that you should probably play Fernandinho in goal but he did, he you know bettered me he didn't even play Fernandinho so uh, <laughs> well done pep on that uh I think uh, the other thing was Ngolo Kanté needed to have the best game of his life uh it was probably the way pep set out his squad it was actually life was made much easier for him because he didn't have a midfield to defend uh yeah the other thing that we didn't probably i didn't probably predict was kevin de bruyne getting a facial injury uh but <laughs> yeah. city got a facial injury at the end of the game uh, uh and it was meaning i think we'll talk about this in detail as we move forward but meaning i am not surprised but i am surprised <laughs> that's true like when i when i saw the starting lineup right so, so just even before the game i was totally convinced that this time Pepper's actually done better. I mean, he hasn't done his usual tinkering around the teams in big matches because he played very cautiously. He played very he made very strategical and tactical moves against PSG. He played his best team. He didn't tinker around. So, I honestly I honestly thought this time he's not going to do that. But when I saw the starting lineup, I was like, "Oh, okay, Gundogan. Okay, we'll see." But first 10 minutes yeah it was all very clear this is this is not going anywhere for them and you also said werner has to score slightly missed havertz scored yeah. it's it's either werner or havertz actually werner actually did his best to not score actually there was one chance in the first half which meaning i think you and i could have probably slotted it in or at least hit the target uh, werner missed it popped yeah. it but then kai havertz uh, scored a goal he almost blew that as well uh because exactly. edison did a suicide dive uh and missed completely and but what a pass by mason mount wow 
what a pass changing yeah. pass it was a great spot it was a great spot and the and a brilliant brilliant pass the, the only way chelsea could score a goal in this season is if they leave the ball with one of their players with an open goal and that's what edison did he just left kai havertz with an open goal and he easily slotted that in uh but forget kai havertz forget werner forget pep forget tuchel let's talk about the man of the finals uh who's that bala engolo <laughs> <laughs> kante are he is the man of europe man i think he deserves <laughs> a ballon d'or for that performance what a what a great performance solid performance actually i would feel he had a better game against real madrid when he literally shut them down but he did his job perfectly on the night against city as well he knew exactly what to do he played his bit and he did it really well so and we we called it right if engolo kante had a great game uh, it would be very tough for city to break the chelsea mid and defense down yeah he was amazing he was pretty much everywhere breaking down the play again this is again one of the points i i really want to bring against pep i mean this loss this is not any of the players fault this this is purely on pep like he didn't have to do this he didn't have to take out his best defender his cap best a uh, defensive midfielder his captain out of the team and put someone see gundogan is a great player he has played that role before but he hasn't done it in the recent past i mean recent past it has been either fernandinho or rodri in fact pep has played either of them or both of them in the previous 59 games of the season the last game the 60th game of the season he decided to play neither in fact gundogan has been used by pep to be the goal scoring midfielder he's actually in the top 3 goal scorers this season for man city and to put him in a slot him in a place which is more of a defensive role which obviously we know fernandinho or rodri could have done a better job that was a very strange decision i think the other decision i was surprised by was i didn't expect sterling to start uh he's not had a very good season in fact he's had a pretty subpar season and you know i don't think it warranted a start in a champions league final uh that also interested because you know i think what pep used as reference was the last time they played uh, sterling had ben chilwell in his pocket uh but this time it was the other way around because you know sterling for all his talents is very predictable in his attacking you know methodology he you know tries to cut on cut you on the right and then run forward and probably cut back in uh chilwell knew that what was going to happen before it happened and basically sterling was uh, almost irrelevant in the entire game city actually didn't have a genuine chance you know men if you look at the stats mendy didn't make a game changing save in the entire game which is shocking for a team like city the entire game had only three shots on target like both the goalkeepers didn't have a lot of saves to make edison i believe made one or two very good saves but other than that as you said mendy absolutely had nothing to do in the entire game i remember towards the end of the game there was a very good cross like a lob ball uh, aguero put and mendy was sharp enough to intercept it and yeah. catch it i mean that's the only thing i remember of mendy in this entire final yeah. that goes to show how well chelsea defended and this is without thiago silva on the field yeah thiago silva if you guys have seen had got injured and had to leave somewhere around the 30th minute or something and in comes christensen and he made nobody miss thiago silva on the field i remember he i watched that to the moment thiago silva got substituted and i said this could be a game changer because thiago silva not only is one of the best defenders still at his age in the in europe but it's just his leadership uh and with yeah. even without him getting a you know probably not a i won't call him christensen a rookie but a youngster to come and play you barely noticed uh, his loss yeah again uh, we can talk about every single chelsea player all of them were immense even werner for that matter for all the chances he missed he did made uh, ruben diaz run a lot in fact his run for that goal which dragged ruben diaz out of kai havertz and created that space for mount to actually make that pass yeah so if you see in that way werner did contribute a lot in the game so again great great congratulations to chelsea i just want to put one point on pep that 
again, I, I, I logged into a clubhouse room once after this game was over. I just wanted to catch the the, the instant reaction of Chelsea fans and City fans, what they are saying. There are City fans? The, the, yeah, yeah, there are many. Okay. There, are, <laughs> there are many. Uh, so, the one of the major topic was, oh, Pep is shit. Pep is not the great manager. Pep is bullshit. I mean, like, see, guys, he still has won two Champions League. And he has won so many trophies. So, yes, he is not a great cup manager. Again, this goes to show the difference between managing a team for a league and managing a team for a cup. And Pep, his problem, I believe, is his ego. It is very, very tough for him. It's, it's practically impossible for him to stop challenging himself, stop putting himself under so much pressure, so much... Uh, they, he, he, he tried to push himself to the corner all the time and in that process he troubles his players too and and him being so so uh, into this game he's pretty much like a nerd I, I, fe- I feel that he, he stops to uh, he fails to see the players as human beings <laughs> like to them to him they are like pawn pieces you just have to move them around so I think he really need to understand that part to put of the a poster game. in his house saying keep it simple because exactly. that's all what city needed to do keep it simple if they had kept it very simple not overthought anything just played the game that they played throughout the season they would have been champions yeah i i, I mean we'll, we'll talk more about zidane in the, in the coming section but this is where i believe a coach like zidane why he has won three champions take back to back because he keeps it simple. His instructions for the finals are all simple. See, players are already under tremendous pressure. Yeah, They've played this entire season. This has been a tiring season, long season. And Euros are coming up. I mean, players are dead tired. Many of them are away from their families. I mean, they're human beings at the end of the day. Yeah. And a lot of people have seen a lot of tragedy in and around their friends and their families. So, you take them to a high-pressure finals and overload them with more instructions uh, take them out of their comfort zone and put them in places where they are not very comfortable to play obviously they will tend to fail they will tend to you you're just pushing them to a stage where they they there is more possibility of failure than success i don't know he's trying to emulate himself he's trying to emulate his 2011 victory because it was still considered to be one of the best victories ever i don't know he's just too egoistic for his own good Anyways, I, enough of Pep. Yeah. Just, just give some love for Tuchel. Uh, for at least keeping it simple. For making sure that his instructions were very clear to his Chelsea players. I'm sure PSG is feeling Gaga great right Chelsea. now. Both Tuchel and Unai Emery. <laughs> that's true. Oh yeah, I saw it. Yeah, that's brilliant. Both their ex-coaches have won European trophies. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, anyways, congratulations let's, to Chelsea. Other, Great win. Let's move on to the other Manchester disappointment. <laughs> yes, yes, we, we will be moving to the west or the southwestern side of Manchester from the eastern side. But before going that, quick congratulations in order. Chelsea fans, congratulations. It's a great feeling winning Champions League. It's a great feeling to be the European champions. Enjoy this, savor this. And for City fans, don't worry, guys. Many clubs have failed in their first time. And the way you have played this season, Manchester City will get back to the Champions League finals within two or three years. They and will come speaking back from a club so, that has won it 13 times, Manchester, Manchester City fans, it's okay not to win anything at all. Don't worry. You'll. It's fine not to win <laughs> the Champions League. Just leave it to the professionals. <laughs> True. Alright, now as Ishan was asking, we are moving on to the southwestern part of Manchester. Manchester in general wasn't a very happy place. They had a horrible week. At least the football fans of Manchester had a horrible week. So, United lost to Villarreal on probably the longest penalty shootout ever in an European competition. It ended 11-10 guys. 11-10. Yes, it was a matter of getting that one penalty, but you cannot ignore the fact that Manchester United wasted a glorious opportunity. Yes. I mean, by, by lifting a European trophy. Meaning, there was so many... If you look at the game, how it played out, right? Villarreal took the game by the, uh, you know, by the scruff of its neck in the beginning, and I think Ole was surprised. And we knew this. We, this spoke about this, where Emery will 
know exactly what Ole's team's failings are and what Ole didn't do. And that's, I think, you know, and we read a lot post that match about his failings as a manager, uh, as a tactical manager, was it that he didn't respond to those changes that Emery did in the second half and adapt. United were the same in the first half and the same in the second half. In fact, I, I was watching the match post the 65th, 70th minute. United were literally playing for a penalty shootout. And that, for me, for a team which obviously had a better man-for-man -man squad, is unforgivable. Yes, there were many clear-cut chances. I cannot believe how Rashford missed that chance. Meaning, it, it's unforgivable that uh, the miss he did in an open goal. Uh, and they had other chances as well. But, you know, I can't say, you know, United you know, lost a penalty shootout. That sucks because when a penalty shootout is a 50-50 play. But you can't be a, you know, Manchester United and play for a penalty shootout. That's not what was expected from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like, this is exactly the feeling I had after watching that game. See, even if United had won the, the penalty shootout, right, I would have still criticized Ole for taking it to the penalty shootout on the first Exactly, place. yes. And the points that you absolutely mentioned, this game exposed his inefficiencies as a manager. His inefficiencies as a manager. Now, we were talking about Pep being overthinking. Ole is the other end of the spectrum. He has not more than three, four ideas. And when you play some, when you play against someone like Una Emery, who sits at home and watches footballing videos for fun, you're pretty sure he must have seen. We must have binged on Manchester United videos yeah. over the last two, three weeks. And he would have known very easily. Like, yeah, I mean, there are only three, four things these guys are doing. I can shut this down very easily, as usual. And he made his first tactical change in the hundred in the hundredth minute. And that too was a uh, was a was a defensive change. Like he took off Greenwood and put Fred in. Yeah. And all the other five, not five, actually he would have made five substitutions, but he made only four other substitutions. All of them happened in the 116th minute and all of them were penalty takers. So he wasn't even going, as you said, he wasn't even going for going for the winner. He was going for penalty. It was little, very disappointing to see. I mean, I'm not a Manchester United fan, but still, I mean, you've got a great team. And I think you mentioned this when you were talking about the, you know, the Manchester City a couple of minutes ago about Zidane, right? Zidane, what he does in big games is, you know, looks at mind games because he knows the squad he has. If you remember, meaning, sorry to say this to you, Bala, the Champions League final against Liverpool. After Karaya oh, made yeah. that first mistake, Zidane's pure instruction to the team was, whenever you get the opportunity, try long-distance efforts. Yeah, shoot. Shoot, just Keep shoot. Keep I don't give a shit about stylish goals, just shoot. And that is not a man managerial tactical brilliance. It's just about analyzing the situation at hand. Yeah. And that's what's making it's a good, difference. Extreme, yeah. Extremely good footballing instincts. I mean, you see something on the field and you immediately make sense of it and immediately have a plan and communicate it very clearly to his team. I mean, I mean, there is no, there is no footballing management books that will teach you these kind of things. I mean, these are very intuitive. Uh, and, and, and he was a brilliant player also. Again, we are slightly drifting towards Zidane. We'll come yeah. back to Ole. Uh, see, Ole, again, he is very good in charging the team up. He He's a very positive manager. Uh, he Players will like playing for him. So he has all those good qualities. But as a manager, when it comes to playing a final, you need to help your team with strategies. You need to help your team with some directions. See, Zidane doesn't help his team with a lot of directions, but he has players in his eleven who are smart enough to find those directions by themselves. What Zidane has to do is to just nudge them, just take them there where they can make their right decisions. Like to give you an example, they can do it. Uh, Bala, sorry to interrupt you. I think just yeah, to yeah, go no forward with your point, just to give you an example, we discussed this. Imagine bringing on Henderson for the penalty shootout because Emery must have studied the shit out of. De Gea and how he does penalties, obviously with the history of not saving a penalty since 2016. He must have drilled down to his team as to what De Gea does in penalties. If Ole would have just thought on the moment and said, okay, I'm going to switch it up, get Henderson. Yes, it would have pissed De Gea off. But 
it would have stumped Villarreal because they would have not mentally prepared for Henderson in being in goal. That could have proved to be a difference. Yes, that was absolutely right. That that was like Ole didn't do anything. There was no tactical changes. He didn't even switch the players around. Like I was telling, right? Like when I was watching the Champions League finals, Tuchel switched Werner three times in the first twenty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Some people can see it as overdoing it, but Ole was doing nothing. Like there needs to there needs to be a balance. Uh, but Ole really have to work on his tactical side, or at least get someone. Get someone in your coaching team who's good at these tactics. That's what that's what Alex Ferguson did. He's not a great tactical manager, but Alex Ferguson, what he will do is he'll find tactical coaches who will give those tactical knowledges. Yeah, he had. He will charge up the team. He, yeah. yeah, he had Carlos Queiroz for a long time, who was a tactical genius. Uh, then he had Mike Phelan as well. Uh, so yeah. you know those all helped. But I think Ole, and we discussed this in many podcasts, has reached his cap. This is the best he can yeah. do in terms of his market, uh, managing capabilities, and if you want, United want to take that next step, right, of actually doing something in the Champions League on, and not waiting to be eliminated and doing Europa again next season, they need a manager who thinks big and can deliver in big moments. Yeah, that's true. Amen to that. But enough of Ole bashing. Let's give Unai Emery some love. Once again, the man has proved that he's Mr. Europa League. Change UEFA Europa League to Unai Emery League. Yes. Uh, he has, I mean, he, he. it's a fact. He has won the Europa League the most number of times. And entire team, starting from the defense till the attack, they were one unit. Yes, they defended a lot. They let United have a lot of the ball, but they knew where to attack them. One set piece. Great ball, Moreno, Fox in the box, was able to score the goal. Brilliant from them. Their defense, immense. Pau Torres and Raul Albiol. Wow. Oh my God. Like, they were absolutely brilliant. Especially to to restrict someone like Cavani. Cavani was, Cavani actually had a good game. But it was Pau Torres and Raul Albiol. They said, there were like two walls. They were blocking every cross that's coming in. Uh... It was brilliant, great win, and for such a small town, Villarreal. Uh, for those who don't watch a lot of La Liga, Villarreal is this extremely small village or town from this Valencia region. The entire town's population is fifty thousand. Thousand. You can fill them inside Old Trafford Stadium. Yeah, or band drive. Fill entire. <laughs> so, for that small town, a victory like this was beautiful. So congratulations, Villarreal. You will be playing Champions League next season. And did you see the pots for the Champions League? No, I, I don't recall seeing that. So just to apprise everyone, so pot one in Champions League has Chelsea, Manchester City, Villarreal, Atletico Madrid, Bayern, Sporting Lisbon, Lille and Inter. Oh, Jesus Christ. Guess who are all in pot two? Must be Madrid. UA, PSG, Barca, Madrid, Sevilla, United, Liverpool, Dortmund. Oh my goodness, great. <laughs> <laughs> and the teams that will be in pot 3 and pot 4 are Atalanta, Ajax, and then you have uh, Atlanta, Ajax, who else is missing? Who else are missing? Uh, the big ones. Milan. Yeah. So It'll all these Milan. clubs are missing in. AC Milan, so they are all waiting. No wonder uh, Juventus, Barcelona and Real Madrid are pushing so hard for Super League to get disqualified from next season. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah, great European season comes to an end. Again, congratulations to Villarreal fans and Chelsea fans. Congratulations to you guys. Now, moving on to the news or I would say the barrage of transfer news, especially managerial merry-go-round across Europe. Just to give you a simple idea on this, guys. Bundesliga already have 8 managerial changes. La Liga, we have 6. There is 12 in Serie 12 out of 20 teams in Serie It is just insane. And today is 2nd June, Wednesday, 10.45 a.m. If we had done this podcast, recorded this podcast yesterday, you would have missed one more, which is probably the biggest one of all. Carlo Ancelotti 
is the new Real Madrid manager come back for his second term. So we'll start with that since that's being fresh in our mind right now. Ishan, good appointment, bad appointment, okay appointment. I I'm a big fan of Carlo Ancelotti and I completely believe that Juventus, uh, sorry, Everton was never a profile that fits uh, Ancelotti's resume. Uh, so I think the moment he got an opportunity to come back to Real Madrid, I think he quickly made that decision. I think that decision from Madrid reaching out to his agent, to him confirming it, uh, was I think under 24 hours. Uh, he obviously had a very fond of Real Madrid. Uh, he has had, you know, he's part of one of Real Madrid's greatest ever memories. Uh, but I think why this appointment is a very strategic one for Perez is especially post the fire that Zidane released, uh, post his leaving, a silent Zidane. I think that letter, uh, open letter that he published on AS was more words than he said in both terms as a manager combined. And I think just to put out the fires to, you know, quell all the angst, all the fans and the players have, I think, Ancelotti made sense because, you know, the players loved him. Uh, I saw a tweet where Cristiano Ronaldo sent him a message to congratulate him on his coming back. Ronaldo was a big fan uh, of Ancelotti and a lot of players uh, who are who were at Ancelotti's Madrid are still there now. But what is tricky is you know, fans like me and a lot of other fans were expecting this to be a, you know, a radical new project for Real Madrid because it's an end of an era. We needed somebody who would, you know, put in the brakes for all the elder, you know, elder statesmen of our team and switch it up, focus on youth, get some new interesting players, etc. Uh, Ancelotti, I don't know. He's always had success in established teams. Uh, that's an argument we give with Pep as well, right? He's always moved to teams that are already winning and he just makes them better. Same with Ancelotti. This scenario is way different from the team he got or inherited from Mourinho's team. Uh, he will obviously have a lot of, you know, financial restraints. He might not be able to bring in the players that he would want to bring in. But Ancelotti is the kind of guy who will smile and do his job and get on with it. But beneath that, everyone needs also needs to understand he is a fierce competitor. He was one of the great players of AC Milan and you don't end the great Milan teams of the 80s and 70s. And you don't become that without having any tenacity. So don't get, you know, you know, disillusioned by his charm. He wants to win. And that's why he realized that, you know, Everton probably was a new project, but winning would probably take a longer time uh, so, and then they finished 10th, so they're not going to be in Europe anyway. So, I think it made sense. Uh, what I found interesting was Conte, right? I think Conte, I thought, would be the one who would join Real Madrid. But then I looked back and said, Conte, the, every club he's gone to, he's moaned about not having the finances to big, bring in players he wants. He did it with Inter, even when they dominated Serie A. Uh, Madrid cannot afford transfers. So it would have been the wrong choice to get Conte right now because from day one, crying would start. Yes, we might have ended up winning things, but still. So I think in that, in the larger scheme of things, Ancelotti makes sense. Yeah, in fact, like you beautifully segued into the second biggest managerial change that I wanted to talk about, which is Conte. Yes, just rounding off the Ancelotti point, agree to every single point you said. And the one point that actually trumped me over all the other points was at this point of time, Madrid don't want any bullshit from their coaches. Yes, the team may not win a cup next season, but they just don't want any bullshit from their coaches because the Madrid management has been managing a lot of bullshit ever since ESL, everything has been going around. Yeah. So what they don't want right now is more added whining from, from their coach. From that standpoint, Ancelotti is a great appointment but for all the other reasons you pointed out seems like the ideal option for Real Madrid at this point of time so all the best but yes moving to in Antonio Conte uh, as you guys all have noticed that he has resigned or not resigned actually he was officially quote-unquote fired by the Inter board and they've actually 
almost or I don't know whether they have actually signed Inzaghi but it believes that he's going to be the new inter coach next season which is Simone Inzaghi. Inzaghi yeah Simone Inzaghi not the not Pippo Inzaghi Simone Inzaghi so he is left Lazio and Lazio are yet to find their new coach now coming back to Inter now what happened with Inter is one can ask like why they just won the scudetto after like 10 years they are the successful side they won it at a canter things should be positive for them but why conte has to leave that's because of inter's financial condition right now they are in a rut right now they have to sell players they can't they forget about buying players they have to sell players of worth about 80 million 85 million pounds or euros i don't know i don't know exactly so to to balance their books because inter's owners are a chinese consortium and the chinese government have told that consortium to uh, disinvest their uh, foreign investments so inter had to make these tough choices so conte is gone simone inzaghi is pretty much in and just to quickly talk about the other changes that has gone pirlo is no more juventus coach allegri is their new coach and this has been made official even juventus sporting director got fired roma we all know Jose Mourinho is going to be their new coach and we have the other changes for example Hansi uh, Flick the, is going to be the new Germany manager coach not manager so Hansi Flick is not Hansi Flick has left Bayern for Germany which means Nagelsmann has left Leipzig for Bayern Marco Rosa has left Mönchengladbach for Dortmund Like you're talking about the merry-go-round within the Bundesliga in itself, and again in Syria, we we talked about all those managerial changes. Gattuso, Napoli's manager, has moved to Fiorentina, so it's it's a big merry-go-round, guys. Like if you if you had gone to some uh, remote place, some sometime in April, with no connection, no absolutely no internet, nothing with the outside world, and you come back in August and switch on your TV and <laughs> and watch a european league game you could all get confused because you don't know who's managing which team right now it's going to and be and i think this would i think there are going to be more way more changes than what we have right now in fact as of uh, meaning couple of hours ago there were reports that pochettino is asked to leave psg uh, yes pochettino is a very interesting personality i feel i think he's a great manager but he has the worst timing <laughs> why would you want to announce this after madrid has announced a new manager see madrid won't take any panga with psg because they have one player they want from there so madrid would have never aggressively gone for pochettino unless he said i want to quit he could have just done it a week earlier yeah we could have probably got poch <laughs> but no he wants to wait till all managerial positions and big clubs are closed and then he will say i want to switch which means the only possible openings for him i think are going to be back to spurs which is a bad move for him career wise or if united get rid of ole hmm yeah but not too many options he could have had a lot more options if he had done it a little earlier obviously there's no we don't know for a fact he might leave uh but if he said so a very good sources have come out with that information that he has stated that his desire to leave so meaning where will he go yeah i mean again it's it, it's not very clear in fact the psg board have come out and confidently said that poch will be our next i mean poch will be the coach for our next season it's it will be very difficult to take a manager or a player out of psg we have seen that over the last 3 years they are very very shrewd when it comes to player transfers or manager transfers but yeah what if poch makes it difficult for psg we don't know so we'll have yeah. to wait and see with the poch thing but again it's a very weird way i thought like he should be settled in psg this is a place where he can establish his career as a cup winning manager a medal winning manager not sure why does he want and to don't forget he was a captain of psg as a player yes yes he was a captain of psg and he was well liked and well respected too if i'm not wrong yeah so anyways weird stuff going around and yes so there are so many managerial changes which means there are going to be a lot of player changes also because lot of these managers would like to play with the players that they like to play there are going to be 
lot of player transfers and also lot of these clubs aren't able to provide certain level of salary to many of their players so they had to let go of lot of players on free now clubs like real madrid and barcelona who are under tremendous financial debt have to jump into these kind of signings they have to get more creative we have already seen real madrid signing david alaba free from bayern against guys when we say free transfers well free transfers are not technically free transfers yes you won't have to deal with the selling club but the overall cost of a free transfer will be somewhere about 70 80% of a normal transfer so when we say free transfers don't think it's absolutely free david alaba just came in for no money they're giving him a bumper salary so yeah. i don't know the 25 million in gross i mean yeah. i really don't understand real madrid go out and say that they have so much debt and yet they pay so much salary to a player barcelona have signed aguero confirmed eric garcia also have been confirmed Depay and Wijnaldum seems that everything is set and done, and both of them are waiting for Ronald Koeman's position as Barca. I'm not understanding Wijnaldum. these transfers, Bala, and you're a Barca fan, right? Obviously, uh, Aguero was signed more for his relationship with Messi than his uh, quality on the field. Right now, he is, you know, not the Aguero he was, especially with his injury problems. Uh, he has been signed m- merely. for the re- reason that we all know about his relationship with messi that may make messi be more amenable to stay i still believe he's not going anywhere but but you know just getting aguero in doesn't solve the core problem barcelona has you definitely get aguero not. in definitely not yeah. aguero aguero at this age is still a better option than martin brathwaite who's <laughs> who has been the only striker striker for barcelona griezmann is yeah. not a striker dembele is not a striker they are not striker so aguero at this stage is still a better chance i mean he's probably the best available option for barcelona with them having no money to sign that there is that literally no other option what i believe is his relationship with messi was an additional factor but a major factor it's a major additional factor it's not the only factor i would say so it makes some sense but yeah i wouldn't have expected barcelona to make the signing 4 5 years back but that's where they are as a club financially that's where they are as a club they can't go out and sign a haland right now they can't go out and sign an mbappe right now it's impossible for barca to do that at least for the next but, what I, but what's funny is that i barcelona are not telling anyone also no they so have like, they want to actually i mean what i heard again what i read want is different from like yeah. can see the one major thing is they are renegotiating the contract with messi now renegotiate re- renegotiating the contract with messi in itself will save them about 40 to 50 million euros per year which is good enough to pay aguero's salary and let's say eric garcia's salary and what i heard is they are also renegotiating pk's busquets and jordi alba's contracts also because again those three also make a ton of money if i'm not wrong they make pretty much 80 to 70% of what messi makes so they also yep. are in a lot of salary so just by relieving these players of their salary alone will save barca a lot of money to accommodate more signings see that's why they're not going for any big money signings this season everything has been uh, free signings Squ- areas in the squad where they need some more uh, um reinforcement reinforcement thank you very much areas where they need some more reinforcements so on that sense those signings at least make sense to me going do you back, see i think just before we end this do you see common staying it's not very clear it purely depends on chavi's uh, decision but chavi is a very smart guy don't it's not this is not the right time for him to come into barca if he comes in then i will be very uh i would say i would be a little scared because things might go down south and it might end bitter like how it ended for lampard with chelsea this is not the right time for chavi i think chavi taken note from what happened to perlo and then renewed his contract with the with his club right now yeah and chavi i mean i don't know him personally obviously but what i have seen him as a player as a captain for a long time he is actually a very smart person i mean he is 
he's, he's much smarter in taking decisions. So hopefully he won't come this season. And hopefully, and Kuman deserves another chance. Yes, he screwed up, but you will have to understand the circumstances he became the manager. So yeah, you you can give Kuman one more season. See, he did win a cup. He did win Copa del Rey. So yeah. that has to add something to his uh, to his credibility. So I would say give him one more chance. Uh, give him some more players and see. See if he screws up again mid season. If Barca is still not fighting for the top of the league, then yeah, by all means fire him and bring someone else. I don't have a problem. Yeah, I mean to end this, I think if Barca needs to get rid of Deadwood, get Conte. Let's quickly talk about one more news, which is the Copa America. Like people are more concentrated towards Euro. Yes, obviously more focuses on Euros, but Copa America is also happening, which was supposed to happen in Argentina and Colombia. But both Argentina and Colombia are out of the contention to host the competition because of COVID cases. But the South American Football Federation chose another country, which is basically one of the the, the, the red list countries when it comes to COVID, Brazil, to be the host. Yeah. Uh, to be very honest, I'm not very sure this tournament is going to even go ahead. It could get cancelled in the next one week. But hopefully, we'll see for the sake of football, we'll see if, if it goes ahead. Now, to round off this episode, guys, we're going to quickly review our English Premier League season. As we said last episode, we are going to talk about our choices for the following categories. So let's get right into it. Let's don't waste any time and get right into it. So we'll start with the top three squad recruitments. Ishan, what's your choices, top three? Oh, man, this is tough. Uh, <clears throat> Lingard for West Ham. Okay. No, I'm not talking about a player. I'm talking about as a club, their recruitment. Oh, as a club who did well in the transfer season. Yeah. Okay. I think Everton did well okay. uh, in terms of the squad that they got by the, I mean, at least in the beginning of the season, they were playing Agreed. really good football. Agreed. Uh, they fell by the wayside post uh, New Year. But, you know, you have to give them in just a, in the how the squad is built up for, say, next season. They got a pretty strong squad for a mid-table team. So I would say uh, Liverpool. Uh, sorry, Everton. Uh, what am I saying? Everton. Uh, who did more? Like a lot. I think uh, Newcastle did pretty well in their recruitment uh, as well. They made some very smart signings, uh, which kept them afloat. And in fact, they were pretty good at the end of the season. They got a couple of good games done. Uh, who else? Did City do any recruitment? Ruben Diaz. Nathan I Ake. Nah, it didn't. I I think I would just give uh, just because I'm a fanboy. I would say United for Cavani. <laughs> uh, I have West Ham, Leicester, and Man City. I've I've put them because some of their signings were really good and they didn't come good. Also, I agree to an Everton point because at that time all those signings looked really good, especially Alan, Dukure, Hames. All those signings made a lot of sense. Okay, moving on to the next topic. Top three players, top three transfer players. You go first. Okay, for me, Suchik, Thomas Suchik. Now, Suchik technically came in as a loan signing last winter transfer, so they made it a permanent signing last summer. So I'm going to go with Suchik, Ruben Diaz, and Wesley Fofana. Fofana, bro, what a player, what a season he's had. Uh, I would go with Kavani. Uh, Ruben Diaz. Okay. And let me think. It's a it's a thing between Fofana and actually fuck it. I'll give it to, to Fofana because he's he's just been so solid as a player this season. And yeah, Fofana. And congrats to Leicester for finding talents from they have this knack of finding talent from League One, League Two French teams. They are very smart in that. Like Kante, Mares, Fofana. There's tons of examples from there. Okay, top three managers, coaches. Uh, my choice is David Moyes. Agreed. I'm saying Pep Guardiola and Brendan Rodgers. And Brendan Rodgers. I think my order will be different. I would say Pep number one just because of how he literally won the league without a striker. That takes some managerial capabilities, especially in the Premier League. Uh, Brendan Rogers for sure. What a turnaround he's had in his career. What a season Leicester had. So I'm sad that they didn't make it into Europe. And obviously, 
डेविड मॉयस वाओ वेस्ट हैम प्लेड सो अनलाइक अ डेविड मॉयस टीम दिस सीजन इट्स नॉट फनी व्हाट ग्रेट फुटबॉल दे वर सच अ लाइक सो गुड टू वॉच एंड सो या माई आई थिंक वी आर ऑन द सेम ट्रैक विद द टॉप थ्री मैनेजर्स yeah in fact actually rogers was first on my list until he screwed up in the last game day like he was first till the 76th minute of that game so the last 15 minutes he dropped from first to third all right top 3 goalkeepers minus uh, edison mendy from chelsea and uh, martinez emiliano martinez from aston villa uh <clears throat> i would say mendy for for sure mendy uh, i would give it i would actually give Edison uh, Edison I would actually not put Edison I would actually say Allison because Allison just because of the 94th minute goal he got he literally got Liverpool into the Champions League and I would actually say uh, Dean Henderson uh, in the league games he's played but yeah he didn't have a entire season so Emiliano Martin uh, was really good uh what do you think about just to conclude you know we had uh, a lot of new sign goalkeepers for fulham uh the guy who was at psg what was his name i forget uh ariola alfonso ariola. he did pretty well he was with, he, yeah he he was at psg he went to real madrid and then just because of madrid. fulham getting relegated he might not make my spot but he didn't do too much wrong in all the goals he conceded so yeah <laughs> yeah he was also good Top three centre backs for me: Ruben Diaz, Harry Maguire, and Fofana. Fofana. Ruben Diaz, Ruben Diaz, Ruben Diaz, bro. Like there is no competition. <laughs> like he was so way ahead of all defenders this season. But yeah, Harry Maguire for sure. United had a really solid defence and Thiago Silva for me. Oh, yeah, good, good choice. Top three fullbacks for me: Luke Shaw. I'm still putting Trent Alexander-Arnold and, and Kyle Walker. No trend for me, man. Which one? <laughs> no, Trent did well towards the end. He was really good. He he had a rough patch in the in the middle, but towards the end, the last ten, twelve games, he was really good. I think it was be when when Liverpool had Luke Shaw and Ben Chilwell. Ben Chilwell had a great season as well. Uh, ben Chilwell and no Trent might not be there. Uh, yeah, I think I'll just give two. I don't have a third. I think. Okay, perfect. Top three midfielders: Bruno Fernandes, KDB, and Gundogan. KDB for sure. Ah, uh, Bruno, I don't know, man. Like, do you judge a player by the number of goals, or do you judge a player by how well he's performed in clutch moments? Like in in this case, I I judged him based on the impact his performance had on his team. That was my my yardstick. I would say. I would say okay. So then. I agree. I would say KDB, uh, Gundogan, and Telemans. Telemans, very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. I, I, I can see we can make a case for Telemans. Brilliant. Top three forwards. Uh, I think this was pretty straightforward for me. Kane, Salah, and Foden. Foden. Yeah, I thought Foden was brilliant, man. I really think. But Foden is... is not like a forward. Forward. <laughs> He plays in the wing. I mean, he can play in the wing, and he played number nine also. He played that false number nine also, thanks to Pep. Yeah, so for me, it'll be uh, Kane, Cavani, Vardy. Kane, Cavani, Vardy. Hmm. All three goal scorers, prolific goal scorers. I'll have to say. Yeah. Okay, I have put three players to look out for next season. Now, one of these three, actually, two of these three are coming from the the championship. So one is Emil Bundia. People might remember him. He played for Norwich in the season before, and then he continued playing with Norwich in the Championship. And he will be playing Premier League next season. Arsenal are after him. Reportedly, Arsenal want Bundia, a great player. He went from one of the Spanish teams. I forgot which Spanish team. He went from there to Norwich, a bit a midfielder, attacking midfielder. Then second one is Ivan Tony. He Signed for Brentford. He plays for Brentford again. Brentford, congratulations, guys, for getting qualified yeah. to play in the English Premier League. Their first Premier League uh, promotion or first top five promotion in seventy four years. 
So, totally, wow. yeah, totally a remarkable end to the season for them. A very interesting case, huh? So, I mean, I, I can't speak a lot about it. We don't have time. But if you guys find had time, just go and read about Brentford and how they run their club. They are considered this model club on how to run. They are very, very smart in their operations. Very good. Very, very interesting story. So, that guy, Ivan Tony, is their goal scorer. He scored 31 goals this season. And Brentford lost Ollie Watkins and Saeed Bandarahama. And they still made it because of Ivan Tony. And the third one is Tariq Lamptey from Brighton Hove Albion. He was their right back. Sadly, he had a season-ending injury somewhere around the mid-season time. But he absolutely impressed everyone during the first half of the season. So, hoping to see him more next season. I feel in my list, they're not going to be, you know, the guys coming from promotion, but players who joined their clubs this season and didn't have a great season. I think Thiago for Liverpool is going to have a massive season. Koyate, uh, what a great signing for Liverpool. Uh, two Liverpool players. And the one player who impressed me greatly this year, but I think he's going to do even better next year, is Ferran Torres yeah. uh, for Man City. Ferran Torres, for people who do not know, is literally one of the jewels of Spanish football. Uh, which Pep got at a dirt cheap price from Valencia. Uh, just before, uh, you know, I think they stole him away before Real Madrid or Barcelona could even think about it. And I think Ferran Torres is going to be the future of Man City, uh, the future David Silva. He had the potential. He did so well this season. He scored a lot of goals for a first, for a debut season. But I think next season, he's going to be a big player for them. Great. All right. Uh, quick mention on some of our listeners who filled in their choices. I'll just quickly run it through. Uh, many of them had uh, Man City. Many of them had Chelsea uh, as their uh, choice of uh, recruitment. Players are usually there. De Bruyne, Rashford. Some had Cavani. How can you have Chelsea? Chelsea recruitment. They have. Yeah, Kai Havertz and <laughs> Timo Werner, bro. <laughs> no, I mean, at that point of time, when that recruitment happened, they looked pretty good. I mean, I, I'm saying, like how we thought Everton, at that point of time, that recruitment looked good. So maybe that's the reason why they put it. Uh, and then uh, you had, managers is pretty straightforward. There is Pep. Some some have mentioned Bielsa. Uh, you can, oh, yeah, you can make a good. case for that's Bielsa. A... So it's brilliant. Uh, but I think you make a case for Bielsa because of the passion you have for the sport, not just because of the results. <laughs> because Bielsa is like a myth. He's never going to win you a title, but you'll have fun, fun along the way. <laughs> <laughs> and all the other choices are pretty straightforward. There is Ruben Diaz, there is Shaw, Kevin De Bruyne, so on and so forth. Anyways, good. Uh, just one quick point to round up before we finish this long episode. Again, guys, uh, what I wanted to say is this season is very unique. So, that extra 5-10 minutes does deserve this extra 5-10 minutes. Let's just quickly talk about the two North London clubs and uh, and and what's what's ahead for both Arsenal and Tottenham. Where are they when it comes to their progress? Because it, it looks like they are at a very crucial point in their, in, in, in their club's history. Because this is where it can either go up or it can just go down south. I mean, I feel that you know there's not too much baggage because you have not too much to look behind to. Uh, not much has happened in terms of success for both clubs uh, in the last decade. Yes, they won a trophy here and there, but Spurs, for example, the last couple of years, especially under Pochettino, they really looked like a club that you know just needed that one extra step to get some silverware. And that's where, you know, you see the likes of Kane sticking on for those extra years because they've really, truly believed that silverware was just one season away. But it didn't happen. Uh, the momentum failed. They didn't freshen up their squad enough, fast enough. Uh, I'm just talking about Spurs right now. I'll get to Arsenal because that's another different case only. But I think Spurs, I think relied too much on their, rested too much on their laurels after getting to the Champions League final. They didn't make you know, they didn't freshen up their squad enough uh, the season post that to capitalize on that momentum and build on that. And that's where I think they've failed. So 
what is the next objective for tottenham is it going to be maintain european status or is it going to be fight for silverware now those are two very different perspectives in terms of the managers you get in and in terms of the budget you need to allot to that manager to bring in the players required uh do they have the capabilities daniel levy is a shrewd guy he does his business well and historically speaking spurs have made really good transfers so i have full faith that if they choose the aggressive angle about going for silverware they need a new manager and they need an aggressive manager a guy who might be short term who would give you like a see one season and one and done kind of season but that season will be all going all and aka conte you never know uh or you're looking for a long term project like a pochettino could have been where you bring in the youth grow those players and then you know hope for glory in the next two or three four years now coming to arsenal i am dumbfounded with how arsenal operates as a club i seriously and i mean you you can add to this because i really don't know what their angle is man like yeah. i i don't know what they want do they want top 4 do they want europe i don't know so at least one thing right now looks certain for arsenal is they do want to stick with arteta which is which in 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 a in a sense i would say it's good because you want a certain level of continuity and as arteta still brings a certain level of uh, assurance to to the players and to the fans so they want to stick with arteta and they want to support him but how they want to support him i think where they are failing but i i also want to question arteta's tactics especially when it comes to squad recruitment in fact we didn't have a category of worst recruitments i would have put arsenal right there in the first place yes a for signing willian and b for letting the wrong goalkeeper go they let him, they let martinez go <laughs> instead of leno and and seems like they are in the market for another goalkeeper so um, on those pa- points i i do doubt arteta and again obamayan didn't perform well so hopefully he will get them to where they should be where they are supposed to be based on the size of the but i don't know man like do they have the money to buy players i thought i've been reading rumors of them wanting to get coutinho so getting a coutinho what does it solve see the thing is uh, money when it comes to buying players this season not many clubs in europe have it so that is where i'm saying many of these clubs have to get extremely creative you will see a lot of player swaps happening i don't know what if they they swap someone like a lacazette for uh, i mean not for coutinho but let's say for some other player they'll have to get definitely they have to get creative they'll have to let go of some players they'll have to loosen their purse strings and and and, and go for like players like bundia i was just saying players like bundia yeah. who might not cost you much not a proven talent but can be developed so hopefully they'll do that right because the flip side of doing this is the fall will be very very bad if you don't get it right a club like arsenal uh with uh, criticizing fans with such very unforgiving fans it could get very ugly so because i uh, arsenal they are not in europe next season right they are not in any of europe not even in conference league yeah so next season is basically going to be all domestic league for them it is a good opportunity for them to focus on doing a few things right instead of many things average uh the, i think that i think i i agree with you they they are being patient with arteta and they could be a little more patient with him uh but he needs to get certain things right which he got very wrong this season such as his tactics in big games such as his squad selection such as what happened with obamayang the yeah. moment he renewed his contract i think yeah. arsenal in the last couple of years have completely got contract renewals wrong uh obamayang ozil all of these guys right i mean i don't understand if you know they want to build a squad for the future and you know arsenal are actually very lucky they have some really good young players in their team you know who are actually going to be over on the cusp of being really big superstars if they are given that opportunity so rely on them use this domestic season to you know build a young squad domestic squad and have a couple of experienced players to help them uh if they do that i think that could be a strategy that could you know keep them solid next year but it's still going to be very tough 
for them for to compete because without europe you're not going to get the best players even if you have the money now if you're even playing smart why would uh say like i'm giving a not happening but like a player like wijnaldum who seen success might go on a cheap to a bigger club to see more success like thiago silva for example moved from psg to chelsea and won a champions league yeah. older players tenured players whom you might get on the cheap would want one more chance at glory will they get that at arsenal i don't think so hmm. valid points great points and uh, listeners we have discussed a lot but it is not over for all la liga seria bundesliga league uh, fans we will do their seasons review next episode which is our part 2 episode and please make sure you subscribe and listen to that also until then it's bye from bala and bye from ishan bye guys great great chat today i think lots more i'm excited for the euros coming up so look forward to you know checking out our podcast during the euros coverage he is a god of the game thank you everyone for listening if you enjoyed what you heard please make sure you hit the subscribe button and also please like we are literally begging to rate our podcast on whichever app you are listening to it not only helps us but also new listeners to easily find our podcast you can also reach out to us on twitter at the rate sports charcha a big shout out to the jam room audio for our theme music you can follow the jam room on facebook at the rate the jam room audio bye Absolutely world class